Well, hello, friends. It is Saturday night. We are glad to be joining you. I'm Barry Klingen. I'm joined by the Moose, Kirk Moose from Moose Ministries, uh, and we're glad to have time together with you for encouragement, hopefully some inspiration as well in these days. We're in Texas, if you're joining us from uh, other states, and I hope it is a little cooler where you're from, because it's only the first part of June, and already, uh, I don't think my air conditioner turned off all day today, it's a hot one uh, in Texas these days, and uh, an interesting place to live in Texas. You have a summer and you have a winter. Kirk and I both are from Tennessee, East Tennessee, beautiful Tennessee, and you have four seasons there. Out here you have two, maybe one day of spring, maybe one day of fall, if you're lucky, and uh, the rest of the time it uh, can be warm and cold. It's a great place to live and a uh, great place to uh, to minister, and we're glad to be able to have a few minutes with you tonight and uh, share a few things I hope will be encouraging and enrich your soul here as well tonight. Kirk, it's good to be together tonight. Sure and always good to see you. Oh, it's, it's, it's very great to be with you guys here tonight. It's always a pleasure and an honor to serve with Pastor Barry. We are so glad that you've chosen to join us this evening with all the crazy things that's been going on lately in the world. We're just blessed and so thankful to the Lord that he has given us another day that we can just worship him and praise him, and also that we can encourage you, that we can give you a little bit that he's given us and try to help build you up and grow you in the Lord as well. Very good. Very, very, very good. I want to... Um... I want to just um, take off a minute. Kirk and I were talking a little before we got started here, and I thought we'd take our time together tonight, talk a little bit about uh, the, the kingdom of God and the authority that we have uh, as believers within that kingdom of God. Uh, it was many years ago that uh, a lot of uh, pastors and even theologians in the uh, evangelical world really kind of, I would almost say, discovered the kingdom of God. Uh, there was a great movement of study about the kingdom because we notice how few times the church is mentioned, especially by our Lord, but how much the kingdom is mentioned. And and uh, so we start learning about living in the kingdom. What's the kingdom life like? It's forever. We know that. And it's the one kingdom that will last forever. All these others will uh, go by the wayside. So we want to build our life on a solid foundation of the kingdom of God because it will last uh, uh, forever. So, you know, go back and uh, give you a couple thoughts here to get us uh, started. I, I, uh, the theologians or Bible stud- students have always called the first 12 chapters, 11 chapters of Genesis the seed plot of the Bible because every major doctrine finds its beginning there. And uh, that's why it's so attacked, uh, by the way, uh, those first 11 chapters as well, too, all the way from creation to Adam and Eve to Noah, all of that very much attacked. And, and uh, But it's so rich uh, with uh, truth for us. And one of the things we see there, when we look beyond just the, you know, the, the fairy tale almost that we're given about Adam and Eve growing up, just, you know, we don't really think much more than just the surface part of the story. But when you look underneath, and you see that God made Adam and his, in his own image. Think about that. He made everything. And then when he came to make Adam, he made him in his own image. He looked in the mirror and made Adam. And then he, and I love this part, he leaned over God himself and breathed into him the breath of life. And he became, the Bible says, a living soul. And uh, later Jesus would breathe at the, uh, uh, on the disciples after the resurrection. 
a lot of the rabbis believe in that first one in the in the book of Genesis is that he was actually kissing Adam. It was mouth to mouth, and and he was uh, imparting into him uh, life, his spirit uh, to be alive. Now it was interesting. We all know Genesis teaches us in chapter one, verse twenty six through twenty eight, what the mandate was yes. for Adam. What are you supposed to do, Adam? I can go back here, and you know it tells him to have dominion over the fish of the sea, the birds of the air, all of these things. And then it says God created man in His own image, in the image of God He created him male and female he created them and god blessed them and god said to them be fruitful and multiply fill the earth and subdue it have dominion over all of these things that move on earth now one of the interesting things that you learn when you watch this is that adam was given authority over this kingdom by the way they're in a garden of eden and I won't go into all the details behind this, but they're they're planted here by God to retake this earth and to bring that dominion over everything. I believe they're going to extend the Garden of Eden over all of earth. And uh, they're given the mandate to do that. But also the method, the, the way they did it is very important. Adam ruled with his mouth. Yes. You know, when we read the story about the him naming the animals, we make it such a cute story. You know, he's going to call this one a goat. He's going to call this a giraffe, or, you know, whatever. But, but there's so much more to that story. He is setting the boundaries and the habitations of these animals and of everything in, in the earth by his mouth. And what happened when Adam and Eve rebelled against God and disobeyed God? The judgment that came, the resulting judgment was, now you're going to have to work by the sweat of your brow. And they didn't have to do that before. Why? Because it was words. And now it's going to be a lot harder And doing that. So what happens? You know, big story contracted in here. You, you know, we call him Adam, the first man. Okay, then the world's populated. Noah and Abraham comes along and the kingdom of Israel's begun. And then ultimately that produces Jesus into the earth. And what happens when Jesus comes? He's not only the Messiah, the anointed one, yes. but he's also called by the apostle Paul, the last Adam. And we had the first Adam and not the second Adam, but the last Adam. There's not going to be another one. And the last Adam came to reintroduce the kingdom that was forfeited by the first That's Adam. Right. And how did Jesus do that? There's so much more to this, but how did Jesus do it when it came to his words? He spoke. What did he, what did he say? He spoke to the wind and the waves and peace came upon them. He spoke to dead people and they came forth from the grave. He spoke to a withered limb uh, and it was strong again, to deaf ears, blind. He, he introduced the kingdom again to us by speaking. There cannot be too great an emphasis placed upon how you speak with your mouth Exactly. Uh, in the kingdom of, of God. I want to say one, one thing real quick, Kirk. I, I get to preaching, boy. It don't take long <laughs> for me to get into this, but I, I want to say this. You know, uh, Juan Carlos reminded me of this. Uh, one of our pastors here on staff, he, he reminded me uh, the other day, he said, you know, Pastor, you always say, and I do say it, the kingdom belongs to those with a disciplined tongue. And I believe that strongly. I mean, I think we are like the disciples in the boat so many times. We're agreeing with the storm. And saying the storm's going to kill us. Jesus, don't you care? Wake up. We're agreeing with the storm. Rather than uh, agreeing with the Savior that's in the boat with them and say, peace be still. I believe they had the authority to say that right there. And then Jesus, you know, once he did it, he looked at them and started teaching them about faith again because they weren't able to do that. So, you know, as we talk about kingdom authority, uh, Kirk, uh, uh, you know, I know, you know, some have, have, uh, you know, like all things in the Bible and all great teaching, you know, some people can go 
a little bit off the cliff with it, you know, and make it too, uh, you know, make it something about a personal selfish thing. But that doesn't take away the reality of what is there. And the reality is what we say with our mouths is incredibly important in the kingdom. Well, you know, Jesus told his disciples, whatever you bind on earth will also be bound in heaven. And whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Well, we also know by his teachings that Jesus didn't do anything that he didn't hear his father tell him to do or that he didn't see his father do. So we're supposed to be imitators of Christ. So we need to make sure that we're aligning ourselves with the Lord so that as we're going through this journey, that we're not just kind of haphazardly dancing through it all, Mm -hmm. but instead that we are aligning ourselves with what we see God doing in heaven and then bring that to earth. Yes. Because what does he tell us we are? We're told that we're his ambassadors here. If we're his ambassador, that means we're his voice. Yes. We're his representatives. We're supposed to live in a manner above and beyond what the others around us are doing. Yes. We're not supposed to live like the world, but we're supposed to be separated from the world in such a way that when they see us, they hear us, or they are around us, that there's a noticeable, tangible difference in the presence that we carry. That's incredibly true. That that and that's where we come back to that all the time. Don't you know? If you if you just ask God, ask the Holy Spirit, say, Lord, you know, teach me. And when I'm using my uh, mouth the wrong way, don't 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 pray that prayer. But as you pray that prayer, what's going to happen is you're going to get convicted multiple times throughout the day when you agree with something that you normally wouldn't agree with. And I, I was telling Kirk beforehand here that uh, my famous uh, story I love to tell, uh, you know, because this is true about everything. This is a crazy story. I got more crazy stories than anybody in the world. But uh, many years ago, matter of fact, it was six years ago. This is an incredible story. Six years ago, at the house I live in in Trophy Club here, we have three air conditioning units. And it's just zoned, two small ones and one kind of large one. But, it, you know, it makes it really efficient to have three instead of one big one. And uh, so... You know, we uh, got to a summer one year, and every year I'd go out, and my dad taught me how to take care of air conditioners. I'd always go out and, you know, make sure they were serviced good before the summer started. And I was out there working, and I said, man, these things are in a mess. I don't believe I'm going to be able to do anything this year. I called the experts in. They came in, went through my whole system, came in, and said, we got some bad news and some really bad news. And I said, well, you know, give it to me. And they basically said, all three of your systems are gone. You're going to need to replace all three. I thought, well, I, I just really don't have the money to do that right now. That's a lot of money. And uh, so what are we going to do? Well, I, I went ahead and replaced one of the small units, saved some money up, and replaced the other. But the big unit in the middle, he said, it's working, but it's never going to make it. This is what the technician said. It'll never make it through the summer. And, you know, the, the church wonderfully compensates me here in, in, in Trophy Club and all that. It's, it's just some mismanagement. I had kids in college, had some things going on. And I thought, I just really don't have the money. I mean, we're just going to be hot this summer in this nice house. So I went out, and Amy and I did, and we just held hands and said, you know, Lord, this is not, this is a first world problem, but it's a problem for us right here. And we're just going to agree that, Lord, this air conditioner will run uh, until you want it to stop, you know, and then you'll provide the funds as you always do. Well, I'm going to tell you something. That was six years ago, my friend. Every year that thing comes on and works, I have not touched it. 
I have not taken the cover off of it in six brutal Texas summers. And here's the funny thing. With my little gun I have that shoots the temperature of the air coming out, I go in. The new units don't produce near as cold air as the old unit is produced. I keep waiting on it to go out. I'm not so sure it's not going to be there until the Lord returns working. I'm not touching it. I'm not getting around it. I'm just letting it run. And obviously, I could take care of it now, but uh, I'm so thankful for that. Now, that's a dumb thing. That's such a first world. We're not talking about air conditioners here. But yet, God's concerned about everything in our life. I've learned that. Let him know. Bobby Adkins and I learned when we made trips to Africa, the cultures of many of the ones that we ran into there said that they'd come up asking us for a million dollars. Can I have a million dollars? Can I go to the U.S. with you? Will you give me this? Will you give me? And you're just like, why are they asking all these questions? And they said to us one time, they said, well, the answer is always no if you don't ask. And so they'll ask with the rare hope that maybe somebody will say yes, because it's definitely no if you don't ask. And we kind of translate that back into ours. Well, you know what? No matter what's bothering me, I breathe out a prayer. And uh, it may be a first world issue, but I, you know, let it out. This is what uh, a concern we had at the time. And, and I told my, my wife, Kirk, I said, we're, we're candidates for sainthood in the Catholic Church because we have a verifiable miracle on our hands of, of an air conditioner. Meeting. I told that in church one Sunday. I had people lined up after church saying, could you come to my house and pray for the air conditioner? I said, no, 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 we're not going to do that. We're not going to do that. And uh, we're not going to start, you know, that, that process, you know, of doing it. But anyway, it's, it just goes back to show in a, in a, from that funny story into the more serious things that I'm going to agree for my family with health. This virus that we just went through, I mean, I, it's not even funny. It's not weird. It's it's our nature. We prayed over our house. We That's prayed right. over the two entrances to our house and said, this virus dies here. If when your kids are out or if I'm out, somehow another that thing tries to attach itself to us. When it comes to the threshold of my home, it dies. Because God's given us a promise. We stand Amen. on that. We speak that. We didn't say, when we get sick or, oh, what are we going to do or that. No, we're not agreeing with any of that. We're speaking that. Uh, uh, over our lives and let God, you know, take care of it as he sees fit. Oh, yeah. And it goes right back to that principle that you just talked about a minute ago about speaking things as though they are, are even though when they're not. Yes, that's you it. You know, it's about the power of the word. Yes. It's about the power of your words. You know, you and I have the choice every day. Am I going to speak something positive or am I going to speak something negative? Yes. Am I going to agree with the positive or to agree with the negative, because that's really what it is. Yes. If you and I sit here and we say, you know, things are crazy in the world, there's this crazy virus and pandemic and all this other stuff, and woe is me, what is it? We've just aligned ourselves with negativity. Mm-hmm. Well, if we instead align ourselves with the Word of God and say, you know what? God has blessed me. God mm-hmm. has prospered me. Lord, The Lord has blessed me with wonderful health, and I receive His health that He gives me. And I declare health over myself and my family. And we begin to align ourselves with what the Word of God already says. We know that God wants us to be well. So if we begin to align ourselves with what He has said and what He's already decreed, we set ourselves up for success. But if we don't do that, and we align ourselves with the lies of the enemy, Mm -hmm. we pretty much have accepted what the devil or what just life is trying to throw at us. Mm-hmm. And I don't, dis, you know, I don't agree with people that try to blame everything on the devil because they ever, everything is not the devil's fault. Yes. A lot of times, I mean, I've heard a preacher saying, I'm sure you've heard it before, that the devil's sitting on the porch steps of the church with his hand in his head, his head in his hands, just shaking his head and said, they just keep blaming me for everything. And I haven't even done a quarter of it. Well, you know, many times life just happens. Why do we know that? And why do we know it's not always the devil? Well, 
God says, hey, guess what? Yes. You're going to have to persevere to the end. There will be hard times, and they will come. It doesn't say the devil's going to bring the hard yes. times. It doesn't yeah. say he won't, but it doesn't say he's bringing them. So it doesn't yeah. mean everything you go through is the devil. So what do we have to do? No matter what the situation is in life, we have to say, God, I rest in your favor because you tell me because I'm one of your children that you give me divine favor and grace and mercies. And I receive those yes. things and I declare them over my family. I declare them over my life and I refuse to allow the turmoil that's going that's right. on around me. It doesn't matter if it's in the pandemic yeah. or if the pandemic's over. I refuse to allow the chaos yeah. that's going on around me to dictate my life. See, that even translates into the workplace. Yes. I mean, many times people will be going through stress and anxiety because of their work. Their, their work is very anxiety-driven. Well, they've got a choice. Am I going to pick up that anxiety and I'm going to run with it? Or am I going to allow the peace of God to carry me through? Mm -hmm. Many times, even at work myself, the stress will get to yes. me. But I have a choice: will I just let, will I just work myself through the stress, or will I give in to the anxiety that my coworkers go through? I've had to make a decision, a pointed decision, to say, "Anxiety, you're done. You're mm -hmm. not going to enter in my life." And then I still fight the stress. Yes. Yes. You know, I, in, I don't align yeah. myself with the stress. Yeah. And then when somebody tells me, a friend or someone yeah. says, you sound stressed. Okay, okay, that's a good checking point. Yes. Okay, Holy Spirit, I receive your peace. You know, feel me fresh in you. Why? Because I'm not going to align myself with the things of this earth. But instead, I'm going to begin to confess. Why? Because I need to hear what the Word has already said to me. Mm -hmm. So that I remind myself. Why do we have to remind ourselves, Pastor? Yes. It's just like Paul told Timothy. Timothy, stir yourself Something. up and the gifts that God has given you that with the laying on of hands by the elders of the church. Why? Because he, Paul knew that his protege needed to be encouraged. Mm -hmm. But he also knew that it wasn't always going to be palpable for him to come and say, Hey, Timothy, let me lay my hands on you and encourage yeah. you. Why? Yeah. So there's a point that yeah. you and I have to take the initiative to align ourselves with the kingdom of God and encourage ourselves in the faith that we've been given. Mm -hmm. We have to pray to the Lord to, to encourage and equip and stir us up in a way that where we don't allow the joy that he gave us to be squelched. You know, I think it was uh, David, I, if I, on top of my head here, if I remember, I think it's 1 Samuel 36, and when it, 30 in verse 6, when David says, he David encouraged himself in the Lord oh, his come God. come on. It was after, you know, the enemy had burned his uh, camp, taken the women and children, his own men were turning against him, and said, David encouraged himself. I, I really believe that strength that you find and learn how to do, because there will be times when no That's one's right. there to show up and encourage you. You know, one of the things, Kirk, I was thinking about when we talk about this, a lot of times I hear objections from people they'll say well you know that's nothing more than the power of positive thinking that's that's nothing more than that you know just name it and claim it you know and and those type of things listen it's amazing to me how especially believers will just throw things out just because someone has done something you know a little bit too much or gone over a little too strong on that area or even gone way out on a tangent in that area i mean that doesn't take away the fact of what we that's find right. in the scripture I mean, what i said about adam it's true. I mean, read it. It's true. And then when Jesus came, who reintroduced kingdom to us, 
and reintroduced the kingdom way to us. What did he do in that one particular area? A lot of things he did, but we're talking about tonight just that out of his mouth. He spoke. He didn't go out and fret and struggle and, and you know, sweat over something. He spoke these things, these realities in, into existence. So it's not a it's not a power of positive thinking. It, it's a, in terms of an old, you know, some kind, everybody thinks something's new age, you know. I, I'm so glad I've lived long enough to finally get to a point where you can be spiritual and not be accused of being new age. When new age came along, it robbed everybody in the kingdom of God, everybody in the Christian church of being spirit. Because anytime you say God spoke to me or God said this or this weird thing happened with that, right. it was like, we had, oh, that sounds new age, whatever. We can't react to things in the world. We have to remember what the truth is and stand upon them. And the difference between the power of positive thinking and confession biblical is just that. It's biblical. It is a truth from God that I am agreeing with God about. It's a wonderful principle in Scripture when it says, In the mouth of two or three witnesses a matter shall be established. And in the, in, uh, the book of Hebrews, you know, it speaks to us about the Word of God is a, in the, in the Greek, diastomos. Uh, two-edged, double-edged sword. Right. But that word really, diastole, is, is two-mouthed you know, word. And, you know, listen, let's understand something. God Almighty is the sovereign creator of heaven and earth. That's he right. doesn't need me. He doesn't need you. He doesn't, you know, he is God and God alone. He can do anything. When, when God speaks, that's enough. But in order for my life to be transformed, in order for me to get in on the kingdom, I have to move into a position where I agree with that sovereign God. When I do that, then it's not just God speaking it. Now it's God's word that is coming to my heart and is coming That's back right. out of my mouth in agreement. And there is a powerful, powerful thing that takes place. When, when that you know takes place of you confessing the truth, so it's not just how oh, I'm a good person or millions of dollars is going to come my way or this. Uh, no, I right. am confessing the truth of the word, not of uh, that's right. Uh, you know what what you say. Okay, you're praying for your air conditioner. What are you doing? Now, again, that's a dumb thing to talk about. But I'm just saying, yeah, because God says He's going to take care of us, and He, you know, if it concerns me, it concerned me that day. I said we're going to pray over this thing, and I said, did you look stupid out there? I'm going to tell you what. The fact that I didn't have to buy an air conditioner for the last five years, I don't I look stupid all day long. You know, it's not about that. It's about agreeing with God. Again, that's a crazy reference, but it's illustrating uh, healing, uh, health, uh, you know, children that are not right with God, uh, families, uh, church, uh, anything. What am I speaking into it from my well, think heart? Think about it. The Word of God, throughout the Word, it talks about how the people that followed after God they had favor and blessings. The children of Israel, when they're yes. in the desert, their shoes and their sandals did not even wear out. Mm-hmm. Forty years. Yes. It wasn't until they were done with the journey that their their sandals. That's my scriptural. Out. I need it right there to, for my air conditioner right that, there. They it. never wore out. So, and so yeah. it's, it's it's not unfounded. I mean, the word actually has a reference to where the blessings follow his people. Yes. And this is just scratching the surface of the authority. Yes. You know, one of the things we have to remember to be in authority, we have to first be under authority. Mm-hmm. I can't just expect to be put as the chief seat if I haven't first served in the lowest. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> if I desire to be the general or the admiral, I'm first going to have to start out as a private. Mm-hmm. And then if I want as a private to become a colonel, I'm going to have to serve my colonel to the best of my ability, and be faithful in the tasks that I've been given, and then be a good representative. And as that happens, then I get promoted. 
And then my responsibility widens. Well, what happens every time you get promoted? You've been delegated a new level of authority. Yes, yes, exactly. I, I was just thinking about it as you said that. I'm thinking about how, uh, you know, living under that authority is, is so important. You know, I've been studying David and we'll be speaking on his life tomorrow and his anointings. I've been in it this week. And, you know, just think about how David was anointed and then he went and served over the under the person he would replace. And that person he served under was not a, his heart was not right and yes. got worse as time went forward. He even attempted to kill David. And yet David honored the anointing oh, on him on. and honored, honored all those things. And I think about our life. One, one of my good friends in the ministry who, uh, you know, had, had not uh, got out of the ministry, went in another line of work. Whenever he told me, you know, recently, he said, you know, if I had it do all over again, rather than running out and pastoring, I would have gone and found a godly man and got under that person and learned. And I am so thankful by the grace of God. It wasn't a plan on my part. It was just God's grace. But I was able to spend my years from 25 years of age after seminary to 30 years of age in in a church under a godly man and learn underneath them and, and have some of my areas tempered that needed to be tempered in order to prepare me, you know, in the future. And it kept me from a ton of mistakes uh, by doing that, but you know what? If you if you do that, and and I I, I want to say this real quick. When you wherever that's at, and I'm I'm using ministry because that's what I'm in. But whatever you're doing, whatever workplace, whatever environment you're in, here here's the point. If God has uh, like David, oh this is good. David was anointed by Samuel when he was a teenager. Lined up the boys, you know, they didn't even put him in the lineup, and then they did. So he was he was anointed to be king, but he wasn't ready to be king yet. There was going to be right. about 10 years of some really difficult moments before he would be, you know, then actually sit on the throne. So some of you are sitting there at home, and you know there's something greater in you than what you're experiencing right That's now. Right. You know that. But when you're faithful to where he's assigned you, then you can do it. Uh, I was telling Kurt right before we started, just something I uh, made me think about was um, uh, Eugene Peterson, who wrote the message. He wrote one of the best commentaries ever on the life of David. It's called uh, Leap Over a Wall. And in that thing, he says that point in time when you know Saul, who he was under, was the anointed, but yet you know David had been already anointed. God said, "I've rejected Saul," and his men are fleeing Saul's in tremendous military forces, and they're dying. They're getting you know they're going through really difficult times, and then God puts Saul right in his hand in a cave, and all he has to do is take up a javelin and and kill him right there, and he wouldn't do it. He would not kill him, and his men were furious with him. You know, God gave you a victory right there. All you had to do it. But here's what he knew, and I love what Eugene Peterson said. I'm, I'm quoting this loosely, but he said, you know, David didn't pick up that spear because David knew one day he would be sitting in the, in the leadership position, the king's position, just as Saul was, and he didn't want to give any legal authority for someone to start throwing javelins at him when that day came. And, you know, that is a... That to me is, you know, if you, you know, learn to live loyally under authority, and you'll always be under authority as someone, but then as God increases you, you'll be ready, you know, to serve in in that time. You know, that's so incredible. You know, just like David refused to give in to taking his king's life, you know, we all have the choice. Are we going to supersede? what we've been mandated to do. Mm -hmm. You know, we may have been called out to a position. We may have been called out to be a leader in our industry. Mm -hmm. But is it the timing 
Or have you gotten into a position to where you're trying to force yourself into a place or force your hand? I think I think when you say that, I got to throw the scripture in right quick that Paul said. Really uh, weird scripture, but it fits perfectly with this. When when Paul was talking in, into the church at Corinth in First Corinthians four six, he said uh, in, in dealing with the particular issue they were dealing with there, but he said that you may learn. In us, in other words, watching us, you may learn not to think beyond what is written, that none of you may be puffed up on behalf of one against the other. The greatest enemy to spiritual authority and exercising that through the tongue is allowing the enemy to allow, you know, or, you know, or you to make some decisions to, you know, get puffed up, to get up to think, now I'm going to name this and claim it. I'm going to do this and I'm going to do that. And, and I love the way it's written there in, in the English translation. It says, do not think beyond what is written. I want to stand in the authority that is clearly given to me in Scripture. I want to stand under and own that authority. I want to declare everything, but I don't want to go further than what is written. And that's never right. get outside the boundaries to do that. I think uh, in the traditional understanding, that's uh, what someone did named Satan in uh, heaven when he had boundaries and he exceeded outward that to get worship that he was not to be due in that in that understanding of Satan's uh, 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 origin. I mean, you know, you see that in Scripture, whether whether it is or not. In First Corinthians, I mean, in uh, Isaiah fourteen. Uh, you, you see him doing that very thing. You know, I will rise. I will rise. That's yep. where you have to, you know, walk with uh, tremendous humility in doing that. I, I, I've always loved in Christianity that we have a humble confidence. There is something yes. about standing up and speaking, but we're always on our knees. You know, is this dynamic. You don't want extreme false humility that's no good. You don't want extreme overconfidence that's no good. But there is this dynamic of being confident in who and what God said about you, but expressing it with a humble spirit. That is the package. That's the package that God describes for us to walk into and to find it and live in it. And don't get overboard. Don't go under. You know, there's no false humility. These, you know, I, that's a worse problem than overconfidence. People say, "I'm nobody. I can't do anything. God would never use me." All of that. That's worse, almost, than the people who are going beyond and start claiming things just to feed the selfishness in their life rather than the kingdom. Uh, so, you know, there are extremes there. But and this isn't a middle of the road thing either. We want to be extreme in our love of God. We want to be extreme in our confession, extreme in all of this. But stay within. I love it. It says, "Don't go beyond what is written." You know, I'm going to stick with the Bible, the Word of God uh, in, right. in my life. Every, every time I say that, I'm going to stick with the Bible, I'm always reminded of a time in my life when uh, I was pastoring a church. I was a new pastor, and it was a, kind of a suburban church, you know. And, and all at once, you know, when you start preaching the Word of God, it's not Barry, but if you preach it, people get free. That's right. And people start getting free. They start getting free of addictions. People start getting delivered, transformed, saved. And, you know, it started getting loose. And, you know, the cold water committee was waiting for me one day in my office. And they came in with all their, like good Baptists, with all their Bibles underneath their arm. And they said, we want to know where this thing's headed. And I said, well, if you find out, tell me, because I have no idea. I'm just preaching the words. You know, I'm not I'm sticking with the word. Now, are you telling us you're going to stick with the Bible? 
And I said, absolutely. I'm not going to go anywhere beyond what that Bible says. And they said, well, that's what we needed to hear. And they put their Bibles under their arm and walked outside. And I, I always tell that thing. I wanted to get up on my desk and jump up and down and shout and say, have y'all guys ever read that Bible? And what's in there? I mean, axe heads are floating, you know, people walking water, uh, people being raised with the dead, you know, so Red Seas are parting. And I mean, you, you know, and they say, oh, as long as we stick with the Bible, I don't think the Bible that I've read is the one they were talking about wanting to stick with, you know, or for sure. So be careful what you say because it's there. The supernatural power of God uh, to experience in the That's kingdom right. is certainly certainly available. So, yeah, I'm going to stand on what is written. But be careful because there's some wild stuff written in there. there Just is. read through the book of Acts if you don't uh, believe that. Or you could run with some theologians today who love to say, well, i got to explain the deadness the absolute lack of life in my my life by saying theologically God doesn't expect that anymore. You know, now we've got the yeah. Bible and we don't need all that weird dreams and visions and laying on the hands and casting out demons because we've got the Bible today. You know, that's God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Bible. That is not the Trinity of the Scripture. The that's Trinity right. of the Scripture is God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. I'm preaching. I need to save a little in the tank for tomorrow. <laughs> it's so good to, to join with you always on these times together while time goes by fast when we try to limit it uh, to just about 25, 30 minutes here. Kirk, it's always a joy to, to, to be here uh, oh, with you and and, uh, and share some things with the people. Remind the folks from Trophy Club, uh, we're meeting at uh, church tomorrow. We've been back open for a while now. And 1030, if you're comfortable, be here with us in person. And uh, 11 o'clock, we go live with uh, our online. And uh, be sure and look at the uh, website and all of those. we got a little different link this week. Uh, it's going to be a lot more effective and a lot more available for more people to be able to watch, we hope. And uh, so check us out on that. If you're not here uh, and you're in your church or watching your church online, as you should, uh, check us out later on Facebook or go to trophylakes.org. And you can uh, go down to the YouTube and see all the uh, messages that are recorded uh, uh, there on our YouTube page. I'd love you to be a part of that. Go to uh, mooseministriesinc.com. Kirk uh, and his wife, Yvonne, his family have a wonderful ministry. What joins our hearts together, ministry is all of what he's doing, what what we all do together, and but, but specifically what he does in uh, Amazon uh, with uh, uh, Pastor Jose and Ms. Clara that uh, we also partner with, and we're all partnering in the kingdom together here to see God do con uh, incredible works uh, there in the middle and the heart of the uh, Amazon force. Well, guys, we thank you so much for joining us. We enjoyed it, and we look forward to talking to you again soon. God bless you all. Bless you. Thank you for joining with us.